Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. So glad that you are joining me today. Hey, it's a brand new week, and with a new week, there's lots of good opportunities to be a blessing to somebody. So if you're driving, listening to me today, hey, please be careful out there. You know, there's a lot of crazy people on the road, and so you don't want to be one of those crazy people. Be gracious, be kind, be one of those people that will let somebody cut you off. It's all right. You're not going to get there much faster by not letting that person get in front of you anyway. And so thank you so much for joining me today. Well, today and tomorrow, I want to talk to you about blessings and burdens. Wow, it seems like we have both in our lives, right? Kind of reminds me about the old legend of three men and their sacks. Well, each of these men had two sacks. One of the sacks was tied in the front of his neck. The other was tied on his back. Well, the first man was asked about his sacks, and he said, Well, in this sack on my back are all the good things. Maybe my friends and my family and all the good things that I've done. That way, they're hidden from view, but they're still in my sack. In the front of the sack are all the bad things that happen to me. Every now and then, I stop, I open up that front sack, and I take a look at the things, I examine them, and I think about them. Because he stopped so much to concentrate on all the bad stuff, he really couldn't make much progress in life. Well, the second man was asked about his sacks. And so he replied, well, in the front sack is all the good things that I've done. I like to see them, so quite often I will open up that flap and I'll show them off to people. And in the sack on the back, well, that's where I keep all my mistakes. In them, I carry them all the time. Oh, they're heavy. They slow me down, but you know, for some reason, I can't seem to put them down. When the third man was asked about his sack, he answered, well, the front sack is great. That's where I keep all the positive thoughts. All the positive thoughts that I have about people and Man, all just the blessings I've experienced in life. All the great things other people have done for me. The weight isn't a problem. As a matter of fact, that sack, it feels like the wind beneath the wings. It feels like the sails of a ship. It just keeps me moving forward. And then that sack on the back, well, that's empty. There's nothing in it. I can just cut a big hole in the bottom and, and all the bad things that I was thinking about, they just go right out that sack. That way, when I go on, I don't have the weight of all of that burden. So let me ask you a question today. What are you carrying in your sacks? Now, today I want to talk about burdens and blessings. I want you to know that we're looking at the book of Romans. We've spent a lot of time on the broadcast talking about the book of Romans. As a matter of fact, I think we've done over 20 sermons on the book of Romans. Romans 9 through 11 we see a major transition that takes place in this epistle. Now, Paul, when he was writing this, he spends chapters 1 through 8 talking about the depravity of man, talking about what involved in our salvation, talking about the wages of sin, talking about what God did about our sins. And then we get into chapters 9 through 11, and it's a major change. It's a significant doctrinal change that we're going to be looking at the sovereignty of God, and we're going to be looking at this subject of sovereign election. So within this, we see that God has a plan, and it's a wonderful plan. It's a plan that is filled with the blessings of truth, but it's also a plan that is filled with burdens. So let's read the text today, and then we're going to do a contrast between the blessings of truth and the burdens of truth. Romans chapter 9, beginning at verse number 1. 
Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it through the Holy Spirit. And then he says in verse number two, I have great sorrow, unceasing anguish in my heart, for I wish I could be cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption to sonship. There's the, the divine glory, the covenants and the receiving of the law, the temple worship and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs. From them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Wow, what a powerful, powerful section of Scripture. Paul is driving home the point that he is speaking the truth. He's not lying. And we know that he's got the blessings of truth, and he gives us reasons why there's blessings found in truth. The first blessing is that we're found in Christ. The blessing of being in Christ, that is the presence of Christ in our lives. Paul says, I speak the truth in Christ. I am not lying. Here's his affirmation. I'm really telling the truth. That truth is because Christ is in me. Now, what he's about to say really is so unbelievable. It's so unbelievable that he calls Christ to bear the truth. He's saying, I'm telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. As a matter of fact, Christ is in me. Now, Paul liked to use this phrase to remind his readers that he really was speaking the truth. He wasn't speaking his truth. He was speaking the truth in Christ. As a matter of fact, he said the same thing to the Corinthian believers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, He says, you know, I didn't need anything. When I was with you, everything was taken care of, and I didn't want to be a burden to you. And so all of the brothers from Macedonia, they took care of my needs. And and he says, I've kept myself from being a burden to you in any way. And he says, I'm going to continue to do that. And in verse number 10, he says, as surely as the truth of Christ is in me, nobody in the regions of Achaia will stop this boasting of mine. Why? Because I do not love you. Well, God knows that I do. So Paul is reminding the Corinthian believers that he's speaking the truth in love. He's not going to be a burden to them. He says, this is the truth of Christ. And then he said the same thing to the Galatian believers. He says, I assure you before God that what I'm writing you is, is true. And then he says to young Timothy, he says, I want you to know that I was appointed as a herald, as an apostle. And I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying. And I'm a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. And so Paul is driving home the point that because Christ is in him, the presence of Christ is speaking through him, it is pushing out truth. Truth in Christ. Christ in truth. Now, the more you're in Christ, the more you're going to be in truth. His presence in me pushes out through truth through me. So Paul affirms the fact that he's speaking on behalf of Christ. That's why you can count on it as reliable. That's a blessing of the truth. Listen, if you're speaking on behalf of Christ, if you're speaking the Word of God, don't worry what anybody else thinks. You are speaking the truth. There's a second thing that Paul wants us to know. Not only is he speaking with the presence of Christ, but he's also speaking with a clean and a clear conscience. He says, my conscience confirms it in verse number two. That's the affirmation. Paul's conscience is clear and it is clean. 
You know, Paul said to young Timothy that in the latter times, many people are going to abandon the faith. They're going to be driven by deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. Such teachings come from hypocritical liars whose conscience has been seared as with a hot iron. Now, Paul gives us the first point that the truth is a blessing because it comes from Christ. The truth is also a blessing because it gives us a clear conscience. Now, it's very important that we understand the significance of conscience. If it was just conscience that was confirming Paul's message, it would be a weak argument because Paul tells us that in the latter days, there's going to be these deceiving spirits, things taught by demons. Did you know that somebody who is a pathological liar, they are convinced that they are telling the truth when they're not. Their conscience doesn't convict them. They can speak a lie, and they can even pass a lie detector test. They are not speaking the truth, and their conscience doesn't bother them because their conscience has been seared. Paul is saying his conscience is confirming it, but that's not the only thing that's confirming it. The truth is found in Christ. I think that one of my favorite presidents was Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was a president that was constantly under fire, especially during those scary years of the Civil War. And though he knew he would make errors in office, he had a resolution. He resolved never to compromise his integrity. Now, so strong was this resolve that he once said, I desire to so conduct the affairs of this administration that if at the end, when I come down to lay down the reins of power, if I have lost every other friend on earth, I shall have at least one friend left, and that friend shall be down inside of me. You see, he understood that his conscience was valuable, and he didn't want to compromise his convictions, even if it meant losing friends. Did you know that the United States Department of Treasury has actually put together a fund called the Conscience Fund? And this Conscience Fund is a fund that was set up way back in 1811. And it was set up for the purpose of allowing people who have stolen or defrauded from the United States government to anonymously send in money. So it started in 1811 with $5. Did you know in the last 175 years, since the last record of how much money is in that account, over $5.7 million has been deposited into this account? I've read a funny story one time about a man who was giving to the Conscious Fund, and, and he sent in a check with $50, and he wrote a little note. And on the note, he says, my conscience has been bothering me. I want to make things right. I cheated on my income tax. Here is $50 to cover the tax. And then he put on a P.S. underneath his name. He said, P.S., if my conscience continues to bother me, I will send the additional $100 that I owe. Isn't that kind of funny? Our conscience sometimes bothers us. Sometimes it convicts us. We are told that the conscience is something that must be maintained, but it can be, it can be deceitful. Abraham Lincoln understood the importance of having a solid conscience. Well, Paul knew that his conscience was clear. It was clean. Paul also knew that 
Christ was in him. These are two blessings, you know, a clear conscience and knowing that you're in Christ. But Paul also had a wonderful confirmation. It's called the confirmation of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, through the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth. It testifies that the truth of what I'm saying. You know, there's a mark of godliness to always tell the truth. Jesus said this to his disciples, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I don't give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. When Jesus is talking about peace in John chapter 14, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. You could substitute the word Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit I leave with you. The Holy Spirit I give you. I don't give you the Holy Spirit as the world will get the Holy Spirit. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, the reason I can read it that way is because When we're thinking about the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to give you a comforter. And he actually calls it the Holy Spirit in the earlier part of John chapter 14. And then he transitions and talks about the function of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings peace. You receive God's peace through the Holy Spirit. Now, if you haven't received God's peace through the Holy Spirit, you are receiving the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You're receiving the wooing of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus reminds us the peace of God resides within us. Our hearts are not troubled. You know, a man believes something. That's why he he continues to live. We don't live by debating and living around arguing many things. You know, yesterday I had the opportunity of doing a homegoing service. Uh, This particular lady lived to be 92 years old. She was the grandmother of one of the members of our church, and and I was really impressed with this lady, even though I never met her. I asked her granddaughter, can you tell me a little bit about your grandmother so I could speak about her life and especially about her faith? Well, she says, my grandmother was an amazing lady, and she lived a life of faith. She put her faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and she had two favorite verses, and she had a favorite song. Well, one of her favorite verses was Hebrews eleven six. Now, if you don't know what that verse says, you ought to memorize it. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, notice it doesn't say without faith, it's hard to please God. You can't do it. Without faith, forsaking all, I trust him. Without faith, it's impossible to trust God. For he who believes in God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who diligently seek him. You see, Paul understood the confirmation of his faith was found through faith in the Holy Spirit. Now, this lady I was talking about had also a favorite song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Don't you love that? Uh, Jesus loves you whether you feel like he loves you or not. He loves you because the Bible tells us that he loves us. And you can go to the bank on what the Bible says. Uh, The word of God is truth. Uh, The word of God is quick and powerful. And it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Well, I want you to know, if you have faith in Christ, 
you have that confirmation of peace. You know, one night, a house caught on fire. A young boy was trapped on the roof. Well, the father stood on the ground below, and he had his arms outstretched, calling out to his son, Jump! I'll catch you! Well, he knew the boy had to jump to save his life. All the boy could see, however, was flame and smoke and, and blackness. Well, as you can imagine, he was afraid to leave the roof. His father kept yelling, Jump! I'll catch you! The boy protested, Well, Daddy, I can't see you! The father replied, But I can see you, and that's all that matters. I want you to know that when you think about faith, putting your confidence in Christ, you can't see him, but he can see you. And I want you to know that taking a step of faith is, it's not a leap into darkness, it's a leap into the light. Hebrews 11.1 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith has substance to it. What is the substance to my faith? Well, I've been born again. Jesus Christ has forgiven me of my sins. He's coming into my heart and he saved my soul and I'm redeemed. And because of that, I have that confidence in Christ. So when I'm walking in faith, I'm trusting him just as he's given me salvation. I have the faith to believe him that he's going to conduct and lead my life every step of the way. Well, we've learned a whole lot today, haven't we? We've learned that Paul is blessed to be speaking the truth, and that truth is confirmed through the Holy Spirit. That truth is confirmed through the presence of Christ. That truth is confirmed because he had a clear conscience. But the blessing of that truth is also a constant compassion. That's where he gets his passion from. Paul says, now we're down to verse number three, I have great sorrow unceasing anguish in my heart. Paul here is saying, you know, I've got deep sorrow. It is mega sorrow. It is exceeding sorrow. It is immense sorrow. It's heartbreaking sorrow. Deep pain within his innermost being. It's a pain that won't go away. As a matter of fact, Jesus Use this same little phrase, great sorrow, and great pain, and the anguish of pain, as a woman who is expecting a baby, a woman in labor. Now, I've never given birth, but I was with my wife when she delivered all five of our children, not at the same time, five separate occasions. And I remember the pain that she went through. I didn't personally experience that pain. I witnessed that pain, and uh, it was painful to witness it. I promise you, if you were to go to my wife and you would say, hey, Sherry, have you forgotten the pain of labor and delivery? She would say, oh, no, I haven't forgotten that pain. That's a pain that I will remember my entire life. It was a constant pain. It was an unceasing pain until that baby was born. In John 16, 6, Jesus had great sorrow because he was about to leave his disciples. It was pressing on him. 
and it was consuming him. It was eating him up. It was tearing him apart. It wasn't a surface matter. It was a heart matter, deep in the epicenter of his being. That's what Paul is talking about. Paul is talking about those who don't know Christ. In Matthew chapter 9, seeing that the people around Christ, they were just kind of distressed, and he had compassion for them. He said they were like a sheep without a shepherd. And as you think about the distress that Jesus is feeling for his people, he's talking about out of the very bowels of his being, he is yearning to help alleviate the distress that they're feeling. This word distressed is talking about pain that goes right into your intestines, right to the very bowels of your being. It's something that you feel in the pit of your stomach. It's news that's so alarming. You can't eat, and you lose all sense of appetite. Oh, I want you to know, Paul had deep sorrow for those who didn't know Christ. I want to encourage you to be with me tomorrow as I give you the second half of this message and a burden of truth. The blessing is that we have Christ in us. The blessing is that we have the Holy Spirit comforting us. The blessing is that we have a clear conscience. The blessing is that we have compassion for the needy, especially for those who are lost. Jesus had that compassion, and he had that ongoing compassion to reach lost. And it was an anguish within his heart, and it's an anguish that Paul experienced. You know, I think sometimes God allows us to hang on to some hurts, not so that we can nurse them and rehearse them, but because they push us on. You know, it was over 20 years ago that my dad died. It's hard to believe it's been that long. But even to this day, 20 years later, I still occasionally am overwhelmed with grief. Oh, I don't grieve over him every day, uh, but from time to time, I carry that burden. There's some things in your life that you will carry for the rest of your life. Let that burden be something good. That burden that I have in grieving for the loss of my father is not because he wasn't saved. He's up in heaven. It's because I'm separated from him. I can't share his company right now. I can't get his advice right now. I can't have him praying for me right now. You know, my dad died shortly after we purchased our church property. And I remember thinking to myself, man, the time that I need my dad's wisdom and my dad's prayers, I need him more now than ever in my life. And he's not here. You know, I think about my dad often, the blessing that he was to me. He lived by faith. It's something that I carry with me. Now, it's not something that is an unhealthy grieving. I know that my dad's in heaven. I know that I'm going to see him again, but I miss him. Until that time, there's going to be an empty void in my heart that will never be filled. Paul feels this way for those who are lost. Do you feel that way for the lost? Is there somebody that you love that is not born again, that doesn't know Christ as their Savior? Oh, that ought to weigh heavy on your hearts. It ought to be something that should move you with compassion. You know, Easter is coming. We're just a few weeks out to Easter. And I want to invite you to worship with us on Easter Sunday. Hickory Ridge Community Church is doing three Easter morning services. 
Our service times for this Easter 2023, just a little different than most regular weekends. So on Easter Sunday morning at 7 a.m., that's going to be our first service. And then our second service is going to be at 8.30. And then our third service is going to be at 11 o'clock. Now between the 8.30 and the 11 o'clock, only on Easter Sunday would be those times. On that particular Sunday, in between those services, we are doing an Easter egg hunt. That will take place about 9.45, okay? So if you have children or grandchildren, we're doing our Easter egg hunt a little bit different this year. We're doing the Stations of the Cross, and so it's going to be more than just an Easter egg hunt. Oh, I'd love to have you come join us Easter Sunday morning, 7, 8.30 or 11, Easter egg hunt about 9.45. Come and be part of it. I know that you'll be blessed to come and worship with us. Listen, God is doing great things. You know, last four Sundays, we have baptized people. We just had 10 families join Hickory Ridge Community Church. Why don't you come on out and join us and see what the Lord is doing? I promise you, we'll make you feel right at home, and we'd love to worship with you. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. God bless you. Join me tomorrow for part two of Blessings and Burdens. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.